the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. It's time now for a smart, plain talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections, and I follow his directions. Bernie knows his It's way. Sunday, 4 o'clock. What does that mean? It means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It's the Victory Hour. I am Andrew Parker, and once again this week, I say thank you. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Father's Day 2023. As you know, uh, each week at 4 o'clock we talk politics, Israel, and the law, giving you a bit of a different perspective on the issues of the day. And uh, we had some fan mail this week, interesting fan mail, coming in from a number of different corners of the state and beyond, uh, talking about my discussion of last week, of which this week is part two. Title of the show, Conservative Pathways to Liberal Outcomes. There was an outpouring of support for the concept and for further discussion on the subjects, maybe a bit deeper discussion. On the subject, so that's what we're going to do today on uh, the Victory Hour on this, as I say, beautiful Father's Day. As we remember our fathers, those that exemplified in many respects uh, the best in what we are, as they were or are role models for us. I know today I remember my father so fondly. He passed away almost 12 years ago now. Uh, But uh, a great man, a genuine great man. And uh, from the greatest generation fighting in the infantry in World War II, but far beyond that, he, uh, he was just a wonderful human being and very special father. I remember him today. You know, as we look over the next several weeks, as I've said over the past several uh, weeks, we are going to have uh, Tom Emmer on the show coming up in a few weeks. Attorney General candidate Jim Schultz, we're going to 
try to get back on the Victory Hour to talk about what his political future might look like. As you recall, he was running well ahead of Keith Ellison during the week leading up to the election last November and ended up losing by a very small margin, but losing nonetheless. Keith Ellison elected for uh, as the Attorney General of the state of Minnesota for four more years. Uh, we're going to talk to Jim Schultz kind of as a in the retrospect of that election and see what his thoughts are. Uh, I want to raise, before we get into Conservative Pathways to Liberal Outcomes, Part 2, I want to uh, raise couple of issues. First, take a look at the Wall Street Journal. came out, I think, a couple of days ago. Interview by the Wall Street Journal of presidential candidate and one-time vice president a few years ago, Mike Pence. The interview was interesting. His discussions, uh, discussion and comments were interesting. And is the question you should think about is whether Mike Pence is the man for the hour that we find ourselves in here in the United States. A stabilizing force. A true conservative, no doubt. A fairly traditional true conservative. When I talk today about conservative pathways to liberal outcomes, I believe Mike Pence will be someone who agrees with most, if not all, but certainly most of the policy ideas that I am going to be discussing. And in addition, might bring some calm back to politics, uh, rather than shouting from the hilltops accusations, indictment, figuratively and literally, indictments, uh, Pence may lead a bit differently. So take a look at uh, the Wall Street Journal. I recommend it to you. Whether you agree with Pence or not, take a look at it. You may have a view that, uh, no, he would be a terrible candidate. He did not support uh, Donald Trump's attempt to uh, challenge the last presidential election. And he did not do what Donald Trump requested and indeed demanded that he do. And for those who are fervent supporters of Donald Trump, that may be heresy that they cannot get beyond with Mike Pence. And some of them may never have liked him all that much in any event. But the interview and the article, I think, is worth your review because Joe Biden could easily, in my judgment, be reelected. Don't underestimate that reality and the impact that it may have. And if not him, another Democrat. But uh, the way it looks on the Republican side, despite the number of excellent candidates, uh, including uh, you know, those from those who have gotten in more recently. 
it may well be Donald Trump against Joe Biden and a battle and a tearing of the fabric of this country. Is that a good idea? Is it good for the Republican Party? Is it good for future conservatism? So many people would say yes. So I don't ask that question entirely rhetorically. I ask it to think about it. Uh, because it may be that the Republicans need an alternative. If it is Donald Trump, there is no doubt that it gives the opponent, whoever that may be to Donald Trump, an advantage regarding many people who would normally vote Republican who won't. And that is an additional cudgel that can be used by the opponent of the Republican nominee, if it's Donald Trump, uh, an additional cudgel that, frankly, may be the difference in what we all know across the country is a fairly closely divided electorate. So consider it, think about it, uh, and during our discussion of conservative pathways to liberal outcomes, today on the Victory Hour, Give us a call, 651-289-4488, if you'd like to chime in, become involved in the hurly-burly debate of policy, of what's best for this country, how we can all go forward together. We are live, 651-289-4488, again, is that number. We are live from the Salem Communications Studios in Egan, Minnesota. Yes, normally it's the Parker Daniels Keyboard Studio. But this week, uh, we are broadcasting from uh, Salem Communications in Egan, Minnesota. Beautiful studios here, and I always enjoy coming back to my roots of where we started the show, right here in the bunker of uh, 1280 AM, The Patriot. We're going to talk today about economic policy, social policy, security, and the public square and democracy, and how we can walk a conservative pathway to achieve liberal outcomes that we all want and that no one opposes, and how it is that those pathways of conservatism will achieve the outcomes we all want much more likely and much quicker than liberal policies. It is complicated. It is complex. I want to discuss it because, frankly, I am misunderstood quite often by many people out there who, cl who try to label me. But if we talk through and analyze each policy and have it stand on its own based on that analysis, you'll see that, well, sometimes liberal, sometimes conservative, bringing together an amalgam of policies, we're trying to get to the best answer. And each such issue that we attack, that is the case. So we'll start talking about it. 
digging deep into it. Make sure to stay with us. We'll be right back after this short, short break. Go to parkerdk.com while we're away. Be right back. We're back. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. And again, thank you very much for joining us once again uh, this beautiful Father's Day Sunday. I want to first talk, uh, start to talk about economic policy and maybe dig a bit deeper than what people think about. You know, on the left, they talk about the driver of the public coffers of avoiding budget deficits and debt is to bring more money into the government so that the debt is less or non-existent. And the way to bring more money into the government is to raise taxes. That seems to make sense. You raise taxes and how much you take from all the people out there and put it in the government's bank account, you're going to have more money than if you lower taxes. Right? You take less of people's earnings. By lowering taxes, you're going to have less in the government coffers. But if you scratch a bit further below the surface, is that really true? Because here's what happens. And we're going to walk through this. You raise tax rates on people. That means that for the same job and the same pay, they take home less money and the difference goes to the government. What you used to be paying versus now the higher tax rate goes to the government. So you have less money to spend as a consumer that drives the economy. So what does that mean? Well, that means when you don't spend as much, businesses out there don't get as much business. So they might have to lay people off. They might have to produce less. And so then there are less things on the shelves, which is a supply and demand issue, and it drives up prices. So now you got prices increasing. You got the consumer with less money than they used to have. And what does that do to the economy and production? It drives it down, which means people start making less money and more people are unemployed. And that means less people to be taxed and the amount of money that they're making results in less tax revenue. So overall, which is better? 
reducing taxes so that people have more money to spend, so that they can drive the economy, so that more people get hired, so that wages uh, as a percentage of work uh, or a comparison to previous wage rates go up. It's a lower tax rate, but there's more money being made, and so the overall amount that comes in is much better. And the perfect example of this conservative pathway to an outcome that eliminates debt and deficits that we all want to achieve is Bill Clinton and the Clinton years and Ronald Reagan. But particularly Bill Clinton, you recall those years, the amount of money coming into government coffers was extraordinary. And it was conservative fiscal policy that drove that by Reagan. Lagging indicators during Clinton were due to the Reagan tax cuts. But Clinton maintained them. And his policies on economics were conservative policies. So higher taxes does not mean more money for the government. But in any event, is the idea to have more driven in our economy by the government or by the private sector? The conservative pathway, certainly, is the private sector, not the government. Why? Because of government failure, because of government misuse and abuse. For example, you know, the Postal Service is a great example. Stamps going through the roof, uh, the, the lack of a market of competition until much more recently uh, is a government program that for many, many years didn't work because of government failure. Because there is not the competitive marketplace at work. Because people in the government are spending other people's money, not their own. So their incentives are far different. And it affects the delivery and the efficiency and effectiveness of the delivery of government services, which we all see every time we go into some government agency and you've got this red tape bureaucratic uh, logger, loggerhead that you can't get past. But the, in addition to that, you have incentives that actually are the opposite of efficiency. If, for example, you need to cut 10% of uh, your operations in order to make budget, if you're in a for-profit private sector company, you're going to cut those items that really are inefficient, that really need to be cut. And you're going to analyze it that way. Why? Because profit is at the core of the incentive of the operation and achieving efficiency and effectiveness is. If, on the other hand, 
you are a bureaucrat in government and you're told to cut 10% of your budget, you're going to cut the most critical aspects of your program in order that the decision makers will come back to you and say, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, we, we can't do that. Of course we can't. I guess your program won't be cut at all. Why? Because you came up with, eh, the only thing we can cut, the only waste we have is in the most critical aspect of our, op- of our uh, program. And by the way, the incentives that the, the public bureaucrat has is not to find ways to cut like in the private sector, in order to increase profit, it is to find ways to grow. You have more power when you have more employees. You have more power when you have a larger budget. And so, that's what drives the decisions quite often. Grow, grow, grow. The importance of this program, even though in reality, if you're looking at the efficiency and effectiveness of government, you would cut the program altogether. The people in the program, all they're there simply for the purpose of maintaining the program and pushing the importance of the program, whether it is or not. Same sort of thing when it comes to less regulation. And that's a conservative pathway. Allowing companies to rise or fall based upon their efficiency and effectiveness. And if they fail, they should be allowed to fail. That is a conservative principle. But what it does is it gets to the best economic outcome for the economy as a whole. Now, there are a few exceptions, and we've seen them, you know, too big to fail sort of concepts, but they're few and far between. And they've been used quite, uh, well, more often, certainly, than they should be. And that phrase is used more often than it should be to uh, uh, allow for bailing out uh, companies said to be too large to, to fail. But less regulation, less pick picking of winners and losers by the government intervening in the free marketplace of economic uh, policy is dangerous. It prevents uh, us from achieving the most efficient and effective economy. We do have laws, and we need the laws to be followed in, the, in business, and that affects economic policy but not through regulation that impedes the free marketplace. Not just the free marketplace of ideas, but the free marketplace of uh, economic policy and of uh, winners and losers in our economy. Less regulation, more ability for the, 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 the real markets to take hold and for those who are most efficient to rise to the top and those who are not to fail or fall to the bottom.
that's the way that uh, an economy can operate most efficient or most efficiently. Lower unemployment, lower inflation, more people rising with the boat as the boat rises. And we're talking here about the entire economy. And when that happens, we're all better off. That is the common good, as driven by the conservative pathways of free markets. When we come back after this short break, we're going to turn to social policy, something that the Democrats, liberals, claimed for many years the conservatives and Republicans were driving down the throat of the American people. In fact, they didn't do that at all. I don't think there are many examples of it, policies that actually been instituted. But in recent years, the liberals and the Democrats, through wokeism and otherwise, have in fact been the ones to drive social policy through legislation. We're going to talk about that on the other side. Give us a call at 651-289-4488. It is the Victory Hour. We'll be right back after this short break. And uh, go to parkerdk.com. See what is often referred to as an award-winning website. The premier law firm, downtown Minneapolis, wise counsel, winning results, Parker Daniels Keyboard. We'll be right back. Stay with us. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. Thank you for joining us once again as we talk conservative pathways to liberal outcomes on the Victory Hour. And uh, we just were talking about economic policy winners and losers and staying out of the way primarily. Uh, We're from the government and we're here to help, as you recall, our the scariest words Ronald Reagan says you could ever hear as John Q. Public just trying to go to work, help build this great country and our economy day in and day out. And the government tries to do well You would think uh, good faith efforts, but not only gets in the way, but destroys more than it builds. And as I was talking on the other side of the break about economic policy, some of you might have been saying, yeah, but these tax dollars, yeah, it takes it out of the hands of the consumer, but it puts it in the hands of the government. The money doesn't go away. The government then spends it and that drives the economy. Well, no, the problem with that is the government is not spending it based upon free market effectiveness. It is basing its decisions on political decisions, on where to spend money and how to spend money. 
and the efficiency and effectiveness of spending money. Every dollar that goes to the government is kind of like driving a new car off the lot. As soon as you do, it loses its value. Every dollar that goes to the government loses its value because it is going to be implemented not by the consumer with concepts and principles of the free market, but rather by political decision makers who are spending other people's money. When you're spending your own money, you are much more careful in the decisions that you make. When you're spending other people's money, it's willy-nilly, well, if this doesn't work, we'll have more coming in, we'll, we'll try it over here. And so, you know, right away, every dollar you send to the government, an enormous percentage of it is lopped off in terms of the value of that dollar. And that is why governments fail, and, or fail from an economic perspective. They fail your economic efficiency. Uh, and most economists uh, understand that, but most historians really get it because historically that has been the case, which is why socialism doesn't work uh, and it's why democratic socialists like uh, Bernie Sanders and some of the other leaders, leaders of the Democratic Party uh, do not work. That is why the uh, the war on poverty, which was announced 60 years ago, poverty has only gotten worse since the war on poverty was announced. We have not maintained small government since that time. At times we've had it, and it's been and it's played out. Listen, Donald Trump. Uh, did a lot in the vein of what I am talking about, like him or don't like him. And it, it yielded success. So what about social policy then? Racism, homophobia, attacks of one group by another and infighting within, identifying through political policy winners and losers, corporate wokeness, shifting our, what is acceptable in terms of our social mores. This is the, some of the most difficult of discussions because it becomes personal. Uh, the abortion decision by the Supreme Court, it affected people at the polls quite a bit. And these, su- these subjects much more understood by people, generally speaking, than economic policy and the impacts of that. So what about this? Well, liberal pathway has gotten paved and shined to the point of 
near perfection in terms of the words that they use to describe what they are carrying out in terms of social change. I was uh, walking downtown the other day and I saw a sign in a store. It looked like a pop-up store or location. And I uh, saw the sign said, protect our trans children. I thought about that a minute. Protect our trans children. What they're talking about is protect them to be able to change their sex at a very early age and make decisions before they're even 13. Protect our trans children. Make sure that their rights to do that are protected. Well, that's a, that's a change of a social moray in this country. It's a big deal. Not a small deal. And what does that open the door to? I don't know. I mean, if, if a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old is able to make decisions like that, causing often irreversible health and medical changes in their lives, in their very being. Uh, What if they said, uh, you know, I want to uh, have uh, sex at an early age. This is my decision. I want to do that. Uh, or have sex with adults. Pedophilia, maybe, will go by the wayside. There are groups already, uh, adult groups, that are espousing the elimination of the laws against sex with children. I mean, this is counter to our Social mores, entirely. Is it homophobic to say it? Is it homophobic to talk about the corporate battles that are going on as virtue signaling, I'm more righteous than you, uh, by corporate America, is in full flower? Who can rush to go outside of marketing their products for how good their products are to marketing their products because of the virtue of the company that is selling them be, uh, in terms of their political views. Pretty soon we're going to have blue companies and red companies. Which one are you? And you can't be both, and you can't cross over. It's a bit dangerous. But boy, it's uh, corporate America has really gone out after it. Disney and Heiser Bush, right? Target now is in a real battle. Not to mention all of the social media that is... Uh, Uh, shutting down some forms of speech and opening up other forms 
to make it look like everybody agrees with these social moray changes. I don't think everybody does. And we're going to talk about a couple of stories showing that everybody doesn't believe in it. A few uh, sports figures have come out publicly at their own risk. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. We're going to talk about corporate America and how it's dealing with conservative pathways to liberal outcomes or maybe liberal pathways to illiberal outcomes. So stay with us. We'll be right back. In the meantime, go to parkerdk.com and give us give us a call. 651-289-4488. If we have time, we'll get you on the air. We'll be right back. We are back. It's the victory hour, and uh, I'll tell you, it's hard to ignore the enormous shift, a tectonic shift in social mores in our society, things that are acceptable now that were so far from acceptable before. Many people cheer this and cheer it on openly and are fully supported by an enormous swath of our population. Whether it is a majority or not, I'm not so sure. Calling police racists consistently, calling our system of law and order being riddled with systemic racism. Good people going to work day in, day out in our legal system, our justice system, our law enforcement system, being called racist and being thrown into that same bucket of racism and that word being thrown around so cavalierly, I think has an enormous negative impact on society. Now, I say that in the face of a report coming out from the Justice Department regarding the Minneapolis police force and the racism that resulted in that investigation and in the conclusions of that investigation. But are those conclusions surprising? You could have probably written the report before they went forth. That doesn't mean that there isn't racism there. But it sure does raise questions about how we are going to achieve law and order, how we will have security on our streets. Respect and honoring those whose job it is to protect us day in and day out was a watchword of this country for decades. It has now been torn 
and burned and rests at the, in the junk heap of other social policy. Now, if you're a police officer and you take the stand in a criminal case, you are often, you start not being believed. Whereas before, it was quite a bit different than that. Now, again, many people, and you can't ignore this, many people believe that it's good that we are making this shift. It's critical. It's good that we are calling out racism in areas that might go beyond what we have done for so long. It is good that homophobia and that the LGBTQ community is being heard to the point where there are protests and debates and anger in stores across the country, Target being one of them, regarding how they are displaying product. It is okay that we have attacks on religion, attacks on Catholicism, for example, that are now being talked about and there's some pushback on by such people as Trevor Williams, a professional pitcher in the in major league uh, baseball who said uh, that the Dodgers honoring of drag nuns and ridiculing Catholicism publicly honoring this is an affront to him and his religious beliefs some would say ah get over it others would say it's a direct attack that if this were Islam that was not even being attacked, but just showing a painting, for example, uh, you know, they can demand apologies and they'll get them. Christians and the attack on Christianity, why do we need to attack? Why can't we respect all views, all views within the umbrella. Obviously, if there were a religion that called for the murder of certain people uh, just because of who they are, that would not be within the umbrella. But respect of all people and allowing them to live the life, their lives the way they wish is an outcome that we all want to achieve. And it is not helpful throwing around systemic racism. And I don't think it's helpful putting into the economic marketplace some of these social policy ideals. Let's talk about your product and how wonderful it is and have it sell because of that. Uh, people will disagree with me on that. No, I want to put a rainbow uh, tag on my product, even if it's a crappy product. I don't care. If it's got a rainbow tag, it's going to sell, and I'm going to stay in business a lot longer. Hmm. 
interesting concept. We will be back next week, and we're going to talk about the public square and speech and democracy and how that's being affected by liberal social policy, economic policy, and the like. You've been listening to the Victory Hour. And how it affects us every day and how it threatens uh, democracy in a number of ways. For more information, go to parkerdk.com. Thank you very much for listening. A happy Father's Day to you all. And until next week, Sunday, 4 o'clock, have a great week. Justice, honor, duty, mercy, and hope. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.